0: Welcome to Association Rockstars, we're here about the journeys and insights of amazing association, nonprofit executives and partners who are building the industry of tomorrow. I'm your host, Lowell Applebaum, CEO of VistaCova, where we partner with associations and nonprofit organizations on vision, strategy and best governance practices. And boy, oh boy, do I have an amazing lineup for today, uh, that we're going to have some great dialogue, uh, a little bit of a longer conversation session than we usually have and hopefully the kind of insights and brilliance that always defines rock stars as a place that you want to come to. So as we go around the horn, uh, just very quickly, and everyone can wave as I say your name, uh, in last name, alphabetical order, and I hope I got it right. First, we have Kathy Brown, CAE FASAE. She's the vice president on the West Coast of Vetted Solutions. She has more than 38 years of experience in the nonprofit sector having served as executive director for philanthropic organizations and professional associations. Next, we have Jeff Brown. Jeff, CAE, he's the chief executive officer of the National Association of Personal Finance Advisors and is the past chair of Association Forum in Chicago. Mary Byers, CAE, CSP is the author of Race for Relevance, Five Radical Changes for Associations and Road to Relevance, Five Strategies for Competitive Associations and is a former association executive and now a consultant, professional speaker and association advisor. Dewan Claiborne, IOM, is the president and CEO of the League City Regional Chamber of Commerce where he helps businesses scale and boost the economy. Amanda Creel, CAE, is the chief executive officer at the Birmingham Association of Realtors. She's committed to helping associations realize their full potential. Mike Moss, CAE, is the president of the Society of College and University Planning, and Has been an association professional since 1992. Kuma Roberts, there we go, has scrolled down the screen. Sorry, Kuma Roberts, IOM is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer for Arrowhead Consulting, where she empowers organizations to place diversity, equity, and inclusion at the center of their strategic plan. And Sika Singh, MHS PMP, is the Deputy Director of the Newborn Screening and Genetics Program at the Association of Public Health Laboratories. Welcome one and all. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today. We have lots to talk about, uh, and I'm sure that this little bit of a time period is gonna fly by way too quickly. Uh, and so just to get us started, you know, where I would like to start is perhaps a, a bit of a reflective period as we think about the year that's been, uh, what we've learned, what we need to learn for the, the year to come. Let's first start with what are perhaps some leadership lessons that coming out of the year of 2021 that we've learned. Uh, And by luck of the draw, uh, Dewan, do you want to get us started?
1: Of course, of course. First off, uh, thank you again for having us. And thank you for all the leaders taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to give some knowledge. Uh, But I would say one of my biggest takeaways uh, is resiliency. Uh, and embracing change. Uh, We can become so uh, robotic and routine oriented that the smallest disruption kind of throws us off. Um, And so something I've been saying to my team is, I want to embrace our pain tolerance. So pain tolerance from, you know, it's painful when you have to change, but how can we shift that narrative to say, oh, something changed, great. You know, like look at it in a positive way. And because we're so resilient now through COVID, now we can pivot and conquer that change.
0: I love the I love the enthusiasm you have just by saying the word change, which I don't hear nearly often enough. Kuma, I believe I saw your hand was up.
2: Yeah, I would I would say that. For me it was vulnerability. I think uh, I've really enjoyed seeing leaders be more vulnerable um, during this time and certainly through COVID and other challenges we've experienced. So When people are leaning in and talking about things aren't always okay and I'm not fine and just sort of the standard rote like leadership answers and they're talking more about personal challenges they're having not only with self care and mental health. And of course, the standard issues we're all having with regard to finding the right people for all of the roles we have opening. I've just really appreciated sort of that wall coming down and people connecting as individuals throughout the year it's really helped my leadership and I love watching it in other leaders that I admire.
0: Love that. Anyone else have a good reflective one they would like to share? As we think about the year that's been Amanda.
3: Um, Yeah, I think for me, I was brand new to my association in the middle of COVID. So uh, that was was all kinds of lessons learned. I had to learn my new leadership. I hadn't even met half my realtors. I had people walking up to me as the world opened up a little bit and been like, hey, how are you there? So not just being vulnerable, but being that new person that they'd never seen, that talked really fast and that was really energetic and a little crazy and just learning how to connect with people because Zoom's not always doing it and learning how to make those connections and find a way to develop a relationship with people that I had never Met that I just came into this brand new place, and all of a sudden, I had 4,600 realtors and 5,900 subscribers that I had to figure out how to connect with without, yeah. and they were tired of Zoom. So, I think for me, that was a big challenge, but also a lesson learned that there are ways to do that. And sometimes picking up the phone or being willing to text people and lots of handwritten cards this year and things like that, just to say, Hey, thank you so much for stopping by the office, even though we couldn't, you know see you or we had to have social distancing or whatever it is, just finding ways to connect with them that made them feel special and part of the conversation.
0: I love that. We'll have to come back and talk about other ways we found to have places of connection this year. That's great. Kathy and then Mike.
4: Um, For me, I have uh, really admired the leaders and noticed the leaders who have been able to open themselves in a new way to deal with the intersectionality between societal issues, personal issues and professional issues among their team and how they can really embrace those new skills that the leaders themselves are developing, broadening their perspective and uh, really opening themselves up in uh, new and different ways.
0: Excellent. Mike, did you have one? Yeah, I really
5: appreciate what, what my colleagues have said here. And I think for us, what we've noticed the most is, is it's become a year of intention. Whereas in 2020, it was a year, of, uh, unfortunately for many of duress, but also of, of just flat out fear and also but one of promise. And we made a lot of pledges. And I think out of those pledges, what I really appreciated about leadership in 2021 was moving from pledge to intention and from intention then into execution. And I think that's the the that's created a lot of optimism, I think, for not just myself and my teammates, but for those we serve, we're starting to see that uh, all the things that, that y'all have mentioned, and then with the intentionality of execution behind that, it's, uh, it's starting to
0: feel achievable. Excellent. Well, certainly places where we've been able this past year to find stability. Uh, I think those are places that our members, our colleagues, our uh, community have sought in a time of perhaps uh, still rocky waters. You know, if we're thinking about that, that this has been a time uh, of change, and I need to try to get more enthusiasm in that, like the one had it, if this is a time of change. Uh, you know, the discussions around what are new normals or next normals, I'm wondering what changes that you've seen this past year do you think are here to stay? You know, are there some that are perfect where they are, places that are places to start and need to be enhanced? And uh, Jeff, is there any chance I can call on you to start with this one?
6: Sure. Thanks, Lowell. Um, You know, I I think the biggest one for us is just how do we structure the experiences? I think everybody got really comfortable, as comfortable as you could have gotten during COVID, in prioritizing family, prioritizing your home life. And that's got a huge impact on, you know, volunteerism, uh, how we produce uh, events and things of that nature. And so for us, it's really about looking at what are our hybrid experiences? Um, Where are we going to meet people where they're at? you know, we can't expect people to volunteer five, six, 10 hours a week anymore. Uh, so how do we restructure those opportunities to fit what people are really prioritizing today? Uh, and then also looking at just our, our in-person events. Are they going to be in person forever? Um, so really thinking about how do we get content and stimulate dialogue and incent uh, and networking amongst our community when we can't count on people making time to go to a chapter meeting, uh, to attend an annual conference, things of that nature. And so I think it's going to be a work in progress for a lot of organizations for the foreseeable future.
0: Excellent. Uh, Amanda, do you have thoughts on this one?
3: Yeah, I think we we kind of to piggyback off Jeff. Hybrid has kind of been the thing that we've been really structuring on, because it's so hard to get engagement in that hybrid environment and make sure that we're doing that. So our association was lucky to have a little bit of a surplus um, with one of our organizations this year. So we're investing in building a studio. Um, So that we can do that and we're also investing and we've been kind of taking our virtual connections and our live stream things that we do on Facebook to the next level throughout the year adding trades adding furniture things like that but we're actually adding the technology pieces now I'm going to be able to have multiple camera angles and some of that kind of stuff so it doesn't feel like just another zoom or just another session. So that's kind of been our focus as we kind of that's where we're going to shift a lot we want to be able to do everything in a hybrid environment. We know that some people really want live, so we still want to have that mix, and I think that's kind of our new normal. We can't just do live. We can't just do virtual. We're going to have to figure out the hybrid equation, and I think a lot of us, I know at least here, I'm struggling. Like, how do I get those people to be engaged that are in the room and virtually all the time? So we're looking at different softwares and different solutions to do that, but we're really putting our money where our mouth is on that one to try to see how we can do that and how we can raise to the next level.
0: It sounds like we're gonna have to come down and start recording uh, Association Rockstars down in Birmingham from now on with that that nice studio.
3: We are ready for you to get here as soon as we got it built. The invitation stands
2: open.
0: (laughs) Kuma, did you have any thoughts?
2: Yeah, it probably falls in the same line as what's already been mentioned. But you know, I, I had two words that came to mind: intentionality. I think certainly after um, COVID and George Floyd last summer, there is um, you know an intentionality about our organizations and our companies that is not going away. People are going to get really intentional um, about the work that they're doing moving forward. The other word I had that came to mind was inclusion. I think it speaks to like how do we make sure that people still feel included as we're embracing more remote working? How are we making sure that our members and our our um, you know uh, businesses are. You know partnering still feeling engaged despite the fact that we have a screen in front of us half the time and the opportunity to come together is just really limited and so i think these are all great opportunities you know these are at promise opportunities for all of us to think about but i don't think there's going to be a change there and i don't know that we go back to what was before we have to really innovate and i'm excited about the challenges that come with that so inclusion and intentionality
0: I like that and i think that's nice actually bridge what we heard from amanda because the hybrid environment has so much Open doors to inclusion from those that may have been geographically distant or had economic uh, different circumstances not be able to travel before, that there's all all different possibilities of inclusion in this time. Uh, Mary.
7: I want to add on to what Amanda talked about, and that is that word hybrid that we're all hearing so much about. I think we really need to figure out what that means, because the needs of an in-person audience are very different from the needs of a virtual audience. And often we think those experiences have to happen at the same time. But I've seen associations be very clever about this. Some are actually having the virtual experience after the in-person experience. Some are running part of the experience for everybody ahead of time virtually. Then there may be some shared experience between both the in-person and the virtual audience. And then afterwards might be the same. So we have new opportunities, and rather than just having a meeting last an hour, three hours, or three days, we need to think about the whole arc of our meetings and think about a before, a during, and an after. I'm not a meeting planner. I'm not a meeting specialist, but I can tell you as a professional speaker, it's very difficult to meet the needs of both audiences simultaneously. And I think we have to be really creative in how we do that going forward, but it's also a fabulous opportunity for us.
0: Love it. Eh? I love the feeling of that flow before, during, and after that doesn't it doesn't end, that there's a, a connected lifeline there. Sika. Yeah,
8: um, great question. I think that as we, become more disruption resistant and think about how we're doing that before during and after and that new change and the new models that we're employing whether it's hybrid or building studios really thinking about then that storytelling and quantifying and re-quantifying our value to our members what we did before is no longer what we're doing now certainly throughout 2020 i think we all thought let's flatten the curve for two weeks let's we'll get back to normal this is a temporary shift and now. That's no longer the case. Moving forward, nothing will be the way that it once was. And I think just to be able to tell that story and to create that value, especially during a time when there have been gaps um, in communication and messaging and we look at our government and we look at corporations and we see that there is a potential vacuum stepping up and taking the opportunity, like others said, with intentionality and with purpose to help to continue to advance that mission-driven work and to be at the forefront of those changes and that consistency and continuity during a time when there is a lot of disruption. And I think that we can expect to happen forevermore.
0: Yeah, I love the, uh, it almost feels like two sides of scales from what you're saying, right? The disruption and the instability and where we can bring stability, loud, noisy world, and also how do we have clarity and message to a a nice balance of what we can bring to the table. So on.
1: Yes, my answer is kind of probably a little different than everyone else, but uh, I like the changes, honestly. Um, Now, when instead of me, because I look at it as, you know, from a CEO perspective, how do these changes allow me to improve my bottom line? Well, one, I'm saving now on my mileage expense because I can hop on a Zoom call. I don't have to drive across the world. Um, But then, two, like, let's really look at what COVID did. It honestly jumped us up a decade in virtual and technology. Everything is booming, right? And so even the smallest thing now that's something we do is we do QR codes, That's a hit now. So now I'm saving on my printing expense. I don't need to print all these papers, I print four or five QR codes that take people directly where I want them to be. Right. And then I know we have some realtors that are on here, like organizations that aren't using commercial space anymore because they're saving money and still getting the same product from people working at home. So that's a direct impact to that bottom line of that organization. So, again, the whole thought around embracing change um, and accepting it, but not only that, let's go next level and see how we can leverage it to have a positive impact to our bottom line.
0: Awesome. Every comment you're bringing this like this positive escalator that I I loved a lot. I uh, thank you. Man. Know I want to go back an earlier comment that you made, Amanda, was around the idea that as someone who is new to your organization, you really had to focus on how to build relationships uh, in a time of virtual or a time of hybrid. Uh, and as we continue to look to the future, I'm interested for anyone's comments. And Amanda, maybe we'll go back to you to give a, some example of how you did that to start with, about how organizations can serve as relationship builders, right? Every organization we talk to, it's the community that's at the heart often uh, of their the pulse. And so how can they serve as better relationship builders as we go into these shifted environments?
3: We've really shifted back our focus to kind of, we're a volunteer-driven organization. So that means we're not the only ones telling our message and we're not the only ones developing relationships, right? I think sometimes leaders or volunteers are like, oh, the staff is going to take care of that or the team will take care of that. We have all those people. So we really kind of shifted that on it a little bit and said, you know what, we are going to do that because I need to know I got 4,600 people to meet in the next few months and most of them I'm going to meet virtually. And so we tried to find different ways, but we had told them that we needed their help and we needed them to do the introductions and we needed them to follow through. We needed them to tell us those things. Um, We needed them to share the stories on social media or talk about that you know, the new AE is crazy, or whatever it needs to be to get people to pay attention. I don't care what it is, if it makes them remember me and makes, me rem- them makes them remember the mission of our organization, we were good. I did. I went old school with a lot of stuff. I sent tons of cards. We used um, um, voiceless, our, our ringless voicemails a ton this year. Um, Because I was new and they'd never heard my voice. And I do talk fast. so It's good to be able to record me and listen to me over and over to get everything I said. So we sent those out. And then after people really responded to mine and felt like I had personally reached out to them, we extended that into our leadership and started having our president and some of our other leaders do those kind of things. And those were a real hit for us. Um, And it had people calling back. Like we were getting two and 300 calls back because they got this ringless voicemail and it was the new CEO or it was the president asking them to do something. And we really did it as an ass thing. And so then they called back, we took a call, which I know sounds crazy, right? Like we took, but we were taking those calls and any messages that we got and any emails that we got and follow up, we were following up, you know, we were doing the same thing that we're asking them to do. We were taking the time to just kind of do that, but we did, you know, I, you know, I you need, somebody brought you know if i met someone i was writing down names or if somebody stopped by i was making sure i followed up with like small cards my poor um, assistant was ready to kill me i think at one point um, cuz i'm mailing out so many cards and so many small touches but i wanted it to be small touches you know we did a drive through almost event where they could walk through the building and get breakfast but it was just one or two at a time so that they could come back in the building before before we were able to open finding ways to touch them in ways that they where they felt like we were connecting again and it wasn't just cuz i think we all know zoom burnout as much as we hear and it, it's one of those terms we've heard way too much has been something that we're fighting so i think just finding new personal connections whether it's a ringless voicemail or a, a personal card or getting your leaders to then share what you said is a great way to kind of get them to see and hear your message and teaching everyone to say the message, giving everybody the elevator speech, because leaders don't know what to say if we don't help them kind of figure out what our elevator speech is now that they've decided what our dire- direction is.
0: that was like 20 ideas in 60 seconds. <laughs> that was, that was, I'm that telling was amazing, Amanda. <laughs> I love it. All right, Jeff. Sure, I mean, I was busy taking notes. This ringless voicemail thing
6: has got me. Um, you know, I, I think for us, it was really about a couple of things. One. Uh, Leveraging the behavioral data that we had on our members, you know, how could we use that to create some natural connections based on people's areas of interest, uh, the content that they consume that we were producing, uh, where they live, things of that nature. I mean, we knew that people couldn't share the same physical space for most of the year. So we had to look for opportunities to unite them based on what they were interested in and what they were doing with the association. So that was one. Um, and then I think for the long-term, you know, we've been trying to work with our volunteers and a lot of members to kind of shift the narrative a little bit. Um, there was this notion that you know, before the pandemic that conferences were an all of us thing. Uh, and we had to remind them that, you know what? Conferences are a some of us thing. So think about the, com- the segment of your audience that was never stepping into the same physical space and so they were always looking for us to create connections between members without them actually being together. And so I think this is gonna be something that we do uh, for the long term. And you know, we reminded our board that you know throughout the pandemic, we had to onboard new volunteers, how did we do it? We had to onboard new members, how did we do it? And those people are connected and engaged with this community in a meaningful way. And they don't know anything other than what they've experienced for the last 18, 24 months.
5: Mike, what do you got? I think building off of, of what Dewan said and uh, Amanda, which I can't replicate that energy, that y'all are amazing. Um, it's it's contagious. And then what with Jeff's comments as well, one of the things that's been really helpful for our organization in this hybrid environment is it, it goes to Kuma's comment too about inclusion. We had no idea because we were just doing what we did. The number of folks in our community with hearing impairment or other challenges to how we delivered content and with the acceleration of technology and the awareness that that brought for us, uh, we have created a much stronger community that is inclusive for all of the folks that we serve when we should have been doing that all along, but we didn't take the time to ask the question. We didn't take the time to, to actually listen because we were so in our robotic mode of this conference is in March, the next one's in July, the next one's in October, typewriter back, go. Um, I think that this technology disruption, but the, the disruption of people's ability to just Muddle through. They didn't have to muddle through anymore. And that was a powerful opportunity for us to slow ourselves down, be more inclusive, be more aware. And I think that has built a stronger relationship with a component of our membership that we were blessed to still have after
0: learning we weren't meeting their needs. You know, uh, I'll, I'll add a facilitator's thought in on this one quickly, just that uh, a change that I've started to see that I hope continues is the premise and culture for organizations to embrace radical curiosity as a starting point, right? To be radically curious about their members, about their stakeholders, about their leaders, about their staff, and so they don't come in with how, that's all the things we need to say and how loud can we say it, but what are the key questions we need to ask so that we could learn, so we can do better, so we can build relationships. Uh, And I I hope that's something that uh, transforms us in the years to come. You know, thinking about that as we start to take focus on the future, what do you think are the conversations that association leaders, chamber leaders, nonprofit leaders, current and future need to have in the year to come to continue to involve the industry? Uh, What should we be talking about? Mary, do you wanna start us off?
7: Yeah, thanks Lowell. And that really ties in nicely to what you just said about radical curiosity. I think one of the conversations we need to have are what questions should we be asking? And uh, those questions will lead us to our next and whatever our next normal is gonna look like. But I think there's three other things we need to be asking. One is how were we complacent before the pandemic? And how did that challenge us in the pandemic? So we need to identify those complacencies so that we don't get complacent again. And I know we're all tired. We all want this behind us. And I think we're you know we're hitting a, a place where we're fatigued and we wanna rest. And so I think that uh, makes continuous improvement and innovation tough. Uh, that's the next conversation I think we need to have is how can we codify and make normal what we have done in an, uh, to create an innovation culture within our organizations. We've seen that we can do it, but how can we build this into a regular process that we go through on a regular basis? And then the last thing I would say, is we had been again we had been seeing some of this stuff leading into the pandemic but because of complacency we really hadn't done much about it but we've needed to reskill and retool our staffs for some time now and i think there's a huge i'm hearing this from the the ceos that are coming in and they're saying i don't have the right staff skill sets and we need to reskill. And so I think that's an important conversation, too, is what where do we need reskilling? And more importantly, how can we do it? And how can we help our team continue to evolve as we evolve our organizations?
0: Uh, your fellow panelists are going to say thank you as you gave me like three new questions to ask that weren't on our list before. So when I ask questions in a moment, everyone, that weren't on the things we talked about beforehand, that's from Mary. So thank you. All uh, right. I will also invite everyone who's joining us and following along with us uh, to please continue to post comments and questions in the chat. Amy's there, and she'll get our get them our way as well. Uh, Kuma, do you have some thoughts around this one?
2: Yeah, I would say that um, conversations that from my perspective that more uh, associations need to be having is related to um, you know, again, it's that inclusion piece. And so we need to have conversations around unconscious bias. We need to be able to articulate the business case for why this is important. Um, So often, there's a more dominant group or homogenous people leading associations or chambers and other organizations that I've been working with. And it's hard for them to articulate the why diversity, why representation, why we need to look at our boards, why we need to be intentional about seeking people of color or people across difference to join and be a part of our organization. So I would say that the conversations need to be uh, hard ones in order for people to get really comfortable having these conversations on a routine basis because I believe that when you're embracing elements of diversity, equity, and inclusion, it is not only just the right thing to do, but it starts to become part of the profitable thing or the thing that draws individuals or more members or more revenue or more toward your organization. And so I see a lot of fear still. And yeah. so it'd be great if leaders could really uh, continue to dig more deeply and lean in to having some tough conversations related to those issues. And, and that radical curiosity plays into it too. Like, why aren't we seeing more diversity in this industry? Why aren't we seeing more leadership of color in these positions? And I think that curiosity will help lead you to being much more vulnerable, much more candid and much more uh, able to articulate the why, which is what people are looking for because life is short. Thanks.
0: I uh, will see the time's going by quickly, but I'd love for us to also reflect on answer the question of the conversations we've been having in the DEI realm. Uh, at some point, how do we approach actually having moments of reflection to see where we've made progress, uh, where we, where we've learned lessons, and so it's not just a conversation without reflection and learning, but that you can take what we've learned, what have we missed, and grow from there. It'd be good mm-hmm. to talk about that as well. So we'll see if we get to that question, uh, Kathy.
4: Uh, thanks, Lowell. And, you know, I'm going to build on Mary and Kahuma's comments and also the comment you just made. And I'm going to come at it from the van- vantage point of working with search committees.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And, uh, you know, uh, the number one thing that search committees um, and um, CEOs are looking for in, ce- in senior staff is transformational leadership. And while that appears to be a catchphrase, leaders need to drop back and think about how they themselves view transformational leadership, what that means to them, and then what that means to their industry, and what that means to the association sector as a whole. The second thing to build on Kuma's comments is diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. And to your point, Lowell, what is the personal reflections that individuals are having in terms of their philosophy, what they've done, and more importantly, where they would want to take their association, their industry, and the association industry as a whole?
0: We are... uh... I'm going to go to the next in a moment. But we've gotten some uh, good feedback about the idea about how do we think about all stakeholders. We're talking about who we have to address and who we have to be curious about, as well as the comment about complacency. That's often a much more powerful force in organizations and that's unrecognized. Thank you to both to Bruce and to John for those thoughts. Uh, Dewan, I think you were up next, sir.
1: Yes. um, I, I know this, these conversations went like all over the place with it. So just going to give a little quick tab is I might not talk as fast as Amanda, but just going to throw a few things out. Um, Yeah. So I call it situational leadership, not transformational. Uh, situational leadership is around, you know, hey, when you have a team, I, my leadership Style changes based on what level they are in knowledge they have on the organization. Um, so, for instance, you know, I've just hired like three new staff members. And so I am on the infant stage of situational leadership where I'm doing just a lot of training, a lot of investing, a lot of training, a lot of investing. And so As a leader, if you look at your leadership style as situational, one, you're more flexible and you realize that one leadership style doesn't fit, you know, and so um, that, that can help you grow and develop as a leader. Okay, let's jump to the team conversation. You know, what this pandemic has, yeah, given us the time to do is train our team. Well, let's not even start about training. Do we have the right team? Right. Um, So you can really look at your organization and make sure you got the right people in the right seats on the bus. Uh, And so once you do that, then, you know, let's talk about how do we stay competitive? Right? We're going through the great resignation right now. Uh, and if we can really make sure that even as an organization, we're being competitive around not just salary, but what about benefits? What about work life balance? What about things that people actually value? Now you can, your organization, you know, you don't just have a rock star team member, but you have a rock star committed team member that again will affect the bottom line.
0: I love it. I feel like within there, there's uh, starting to see differentiated definitions of loyalty from what they once yes. were to like mm-hmm. what, what it needs to be for the future. Uh, mm-hmm. That'd be a fun activity to get everyone in the community to say, if you were going to define loyalty uh, when it comes to professional loyalty or organizational loyalty uh, in the coming year or two, how would you define it? And I bet we get some really interesting definitions along the way. All right, let's take one more on this and then we'll move to another question. Sika, do you have a thought?
8: Yeah, sure. I mean, just as it relates to loyalty, real quick, I think we can also observe that from a generational perspective. I talk to my colleagues and my family frequently, and sometimes people tend to think that millennials, um, were very flaky and we're not loyal. But we also know our worth and we know that we want to be in mission-driven environments that resonate with our values. Um, and then when we think about leadership and what twenty what we need to look for in twenty twenty two, I think that when we're talking about transformational leadership, um, we have to acknowledge that these discussions around DEI are retrofitting. They have not been formative, and um, oftentimes the people talking about them and making these decisions are not representative of the members that we as associations serve. So. You know, when I look at what what you do for a living and you go all over the country serving various associations and helping them determine what they need to do, their strategic planning and forward looking, I I think that that is a critical part of what we're going to need to do as leaders moving forward, understanding who we are, knowing what my strengths are, knowing what our organizational strengths are. And knowing that we can't do it on our own we need to lean on experts lean on others who might not know who might know rather what what we don't know and we don't know what we don't know and um i want to touch on something that somebody said about complacency earlier um thinking about what can we live without what have we lived without and what can we not live without i think that has become abundantly clear and really materialized over the last 20 months and I think following that and channeling our resources and our human intellectual curiosity capital toward that, I think would be really impactful and it would be a major loss if we didn't do that.
0: Uh, I was having a conversation last week around, along a similar line with a colleague uh, and the line that came out is, how would you Marie Kondo your association, right? How would you, how would you only keep those things that bring you joy in your organization? right i mean constantly in the, the work i do but i say the boards all the time most powerful boards are the ones that are really good at saying no right it's not how much we can say yes it's how much we can say no to the things that aren't as relevant and impactful anymore and so there's i lo- i love that within there uh, and hopefully the relationship building of knowing each other's strengths if we're going to go back to uh, something mary that you said earlier around the idea of uh, a culture of innovation uh, which i think has taken a very big either step forward or a different approach, but in this time of forced innovation because of a pandemic when people, organizations have had to think of things differently. uh, I'm wondering what thoughts you've heard as you've worked across so many organizations about how that culture of innovation is gonna be hopefully sustaining us for the future to come.
7: A Couple of things uh, that I think are worth sharing. One is the associations that are doing this really well actually have a process on paper. It's you know it's a step it's a it's a process map essentially, and and when they are getting ready to innovate, they know who's responsible, they know what it's going to look like, and on the, on the very low end they they just have permission to either start doing something or stop doing something, on the high end they have people who are responsible for it. There's a specific person in the organization who heads it up. They are providing training to employees about innovation. About risk taking, about willing to experiment. They are funding innovation. So we're now starting to see associations that either have a budget line item or they borrow against reserves. And I think a key piece of this is talking to our boards about innovation and how essential it is, and that it has to be continuous, it has to be ongoing. And risk tolerance is a piece of that. It, it, you know, the, the bigger the risk, the bigger the potential win, but also the bigger the potential fail. So I think we have to change how we do things internally and what gives me, uh, I feel positive about, is we have actually seen this in action over the last year. You called it kind of forced innovation. I'll call it reactive innovation. We've seen it. We know we can do it. We've built our muscles. We are resilient. We've tried some things that work, we've tried some things that haven't, so all the pieces are there, and now we just need to make sure that we take a step back and say, how can we make this part of who we are going forward and part of our culture? It's it's a practice as much as as it is a
0: process. I love that. Uh, Amanda, did you have some thoughts?
3: I mean, I think for us, I came into a culture where the staff was kind of almost scared to fail. They felt like if they made a mistake, they didn't. So making it okay. Like I am so not perfect. <laughs> and I want them to know that it's okay that they're not perfect as long as they're putting forth their best effort and this and our leaders too. And so we spent a lot of time this year just saying, hey, you know, what did we do? I loved what um, someone else mentioned, you know, like sometimes you got to see what isn't working and just get rid of it. We were willing to like throw things away and start over. Um, we threw away our committee structure and just went back to the drawing board, Um, and new task force and work groups, which a lot of people are doing, but we, like, got rid of things, and totally, and then added crazy things that we'd never thought of before, and then we're, we had a conversation in a great meeting, actually, right before I came in here, about, you know what, this is just trial and error right now, and we're all going to try it, we're going to throw stuff against the wall, and we're going to realize that some of this doesn't work, and at the end of the year, we're going to be willing to go, okay, this didn't, that did, this is how we're going to move forward. And it's okay. And it's not even, you know, you hear the fail forward, but it's not even that it's, we just got to be willing to try something, throw it against the wall and then listen and hear that feedback from people that maybe we don't want to hear and say, you know what, that sounded like a great idea, but it really wasn't, or that was a great idea and we should have pushed it further. So just being willing to listen. But I think that's been the biggest thing for us, just making it okay to mess up. Because yeah. I think they had, they had had a lot of things happen and they were like, oh, if I mess up my job, not necessarily. If your heart was in the right place and your intentions were pure and you're trying to do best by your members, it's okay. We just gotta keep trying.
0: Yeah, I, I love the, the thought of what you're saying, especially around the committee part. One of the things I love to do with the organizations is like the board's a room, give everyone a blank piece of paper and be like, everyone just draw for me a picture of the current leadership governance structure and how many times they can't, first of all, they can't all draw, they don't draw the same picture, right? And then give them another one and say okay now forget that that existed what is the one you would want right and so for me there's this balance of like failing forward versus imagining together right and there's there's a balance of hopefully inspiration in there dewan
1: uh mine is um around and i hate to be so blunt but it's really now innovate or die you know as an organization like we can sit back and say hey we've always done this uh, but a lot of times those are the organizations that aren't around right now. Um, and so something that a culture I created here when I got here is the quickest way to get the one to say something to change something is to tell him, hey, this is how we've always done. it." So now my team, they never say that phrase. Um, they now they reevaluate all the events that we do like, OK, why are we doing this again? So if you as a leader set the expectation like, hey, guys it's okay if we don't do this ever again, if it doesn't make sense. Your team will then start looking at your plan of work and start challenging it, which is great because they're actually the ones that are uh, implementing that work. Um, And so, um, and I also have another theory of the 80% rule, right? Where Amanda said, don't be afraid to mess up. My thing is not even because I'm a perfectionist, but I had to get to the point where hey, I'm okay if it's just 80% the way I like it. You know what? If it's something new, 80% the way I like it, I'm fine. I don't care. I know in my mind I have a hundred things like, oh, this could have been better, this, but I don't even do it because let's be okay with 80%, you know? Right now is a time where, and know we always want to have these high standards, but it's okay to compromise those standards as we're transitioning and finding our new niche. So... Uh, just want to tell the world, you know, be okay with not being perfectionist right now.
0: <laughs> I think we, we all could we all could use that right now, not letting perfection be the enemy of really good. That's great. Jeff, one more.
6: Yeah, I, I like that too. Um, you know, usually that 20% is happy to go at anyway, so why waste your time on it? Um, you know, I, I think Mary brought up something that was really important, you know, just making sure that every organization has process and resources. Um, You know, I feel like that's where a lot of us stumble when it comes to, to innovation and that's where we confuse incrementalism for innovation. And so we've had a lot of conversations within our staff team about, you know what, what are you doing that's really going to be different. And the team reminded me that we spent the last 20 months doing things that were essentially different. There was no playbook. There was no, you know, SOP for how we responded to the pandemic. Um, yeah we could look for examples you know in other organizations other industries whatever it was but we were building a lot of those experiences from the ground up and you know then it caused us to really listen to our audience Um, that's where we got the insights and the feedback that really helped us to fine-tune our model and that's a, a lot of the products and services that we have available today so you know i think lessons i would say you know give yourself the time and the space to innovate you know carve it out in your schedules uh, and incent your team to do it, you know, don't just give people bonuses for showing up and doing their jobs. Give people bonuses for coming to work and doing the things that are really going to transform the organization and the experiences for your members. That's how you're really going to get innovation within the association space.
0: Perfect. See did you have one more on this?
8: Very quickly, speaking of innovation, yeah. Jeff, and resources and um, new ways to do things. I think something we can really get from the past few years is diversifying our um, funding streams and innovating on that forum. I think that the global pandemic has brought about the ability to seek and identify new ways to bring money in and um, to generate revenue and to really harness that. I think to not harness it would be a hugely missed opportunity.
0: No money, no mission, so. Hopefully, there are ways to think about that uh, that are different. You know, I was having a conversation this past week with an organization. Uh, it's a very large organization and talking about membership in the ones and twos and the difference between an incremental and an exponential p- possibility of what actually changes the game of how you define who belongs. Is that only by paying dues or are there other means of definition that that is one? You know, there, there are places, of course, that I would like to bring it back because all of all of you are here, not just for the work that you do, because of the rock stars you are, the leaders that you are, the voices you have. And so, uh, if we can have just a brief moment to be personal, I'd be interested as you think about the year ahead, right? We all are on paths of growth to hopefully further success and further learning and further wisdom. And I'm just wondering if there's any uh, places that you're thinking about investing in yourself uh, in that year ahead for continued growth and success as you're thinking about. Now, what you hope to grow or learn and where you're going to do that what what are you looking forward to in the year ahead well do you want to go first
2: yeah yeah i'll say that i'm really excited about um i'm challenging myself in the next year i'm i'm decided i'm gonna write a book i've decided that i'm going to really try to articulate Um, How my leadership has transformed over the years and my experiences with associations and chambers of commerce. I'm uh, doing what scares me, which is something that I'm really trying to embrace. But um, my whole past year has been about doing the things that scare me, and I, I have had a, a, a fear, but yet a thrill from doing those. So I'm excited about investing in myself, doing the things that scares me, challenging myself to try things that are outside of the norm, and um, and excited about what's going to happen. Whether I fail or succeed I, i'm equally excited by the possibilities because it just means that you know there's a, there, I, I feel like very dewan in this that i'm just like really positive no matter what the outcome is i just feel a really great sense of um betting on myself and that's pretty exciting as a, as a leader and so um that that's that's my take on it
0: i love i love that place of focus i also love that we now have a frame for when you're really positive that you've dewan something that's well, I think that's a, a high compliment or, or good. Uh, Amanda.
3: I think this year for me was really challenging because it was probably personally I had a lot of stuff happen that I haven't happened since I've been in the association world. I lost my dad. I was at a new association in a new place. So I was really kind of in a funk, you know, even, and you The bubbly me is what people are used to seeing, and so I think it was hard even for some of my newer realtors to see that, so challenging myself to be my best self even on my worst day, you know, and realizing that it's also okay to have a bad day and just own it and move forward and figure out ways to do it because there were so many things that were thrown at me that I didn't anticipate, things that questioned my integrity, things that questioned my ability to move forward after, you know, just being in an emotional place that i would never been before. So just being honest with myself, being real with my team, being real with my leaders, you know, and saying, hey, you know, I know normally I can work 100 hours in a week and I'm just here and I'm just the Energizer Bunny and y'all are used to that. But I, I, I'm going to have to check out right now. I need to do that. And that was something I was horrible at. And I'm still horrible at. You could ask my team. They would probably, if they're watching, they're probably all saying I'm still horrible at. But I know that that's something I have to do. So in the next year, I'm going to invest in trying to find a way to separate myself from the job because I kind of live eat and breathe this place Um, and every association I've been at before this is my world, this is what I want to do this is who I want to make them better I want to make the organization better. So learning that it's okay to be me for a minute is learning that it's okay that if something drops. The world's not going to fall apart. I tell my staff all the time it's okay to fail. And I said that earlier, but I don't tell myself. So I think that's going to be my biggest thing. It's okay if I miss a thing. It's okay if that invite wasn't exactly how I wanted it. I think I need the 80 20 rule to one. I'm going to totally steal that. I need that moment, right? I need to figure out. So giving myself some grace, because I'm really good at giving the world grace and making, you know, it's okay. But I am horrible at turning the coin over and said i deserve that too no no no. i just have to work somebody's gonna be off i gotta take care of it so i think that's my biggest struggle and the biggest thing that i'm gonna be working on and depending on a group to kind of hold me accountable that i have to say hey stop that you know better as i go forward
0: i like it i also didn't mean to run past kuma when the book comes out uh let us know how much you're charging rock stars for signed copies so that we can all get it uh
1: Yes, yeah, sir. We uh, actually have a train here in League City, so you might hear it in the background. It's coming through. Um, and, and I apologize. This might be the last answer, last question I got to answer. I got to get my teeth clean. <laughs> but um, you know, just a couple things here with me. One, um, of course, continuous growth, education-wise. I see a lot of CAEs. Um, I definitely want to um, get obtain that as well. So hats off to all of you all uh, that have that uh, prestige certification. Um, the next thing is um, really investing in my team and my staff. So, um, and I share this with, I was doing another speaking engagement last week, uh, but I challenged the leaders, you know, something I started doing was we have a weekly Monday morning meeting. And so next year, I'm going to be more intentional because this year when I started doing one of my new staff members said, hey, can we just meet at a local restaurant, support a business? And so I'm so routine oriented. I don't like that. but I'm working on that. So I'm like, sure, why not? And literally to see how that the team around. we got back to the office. I mean, the laughter, the team camaraderie, it was just magical to then the next week I said, Hey, I want to do a lunch meeting again. <laughs> you know, um, So, but you know, budgeting wise, you need to be a little more intentional. So next year I'm doing that every fourth Monday, we're going to go out, uh, have breakfast and meet. And then You know, reflect on that month. Did we meet our goals? Um, And then also have a team building experience in that as well, where we can continue to build that trust. So a lot of next year is me really investing in my team uh, and telling them. Y'all need to have work-life balance, promoting that mental health clarity to them, to show them, I care about your work-life balance, because if you don't have that and make that a priority, you're not showing up being your best here, which then is going to affect our community. Um, So really making sure their mental capacity is great and one other thing that i told them is you know i want to make this job and this your job i want i want you to be excited for your monday morning meeting that's how invested i am into our culture and to make sure that you all feel value that you don't get nervous about this monday morning but you're excited to come to that Monday morning meeting because you know that you're valued and you know your voice is heard at the table. Perfect, I love it.
0: I don't know, with the excitement and smiles, I don't know, already your teeth are white with all the smiles, but uh, we've appreciated all the uh, positivity that you've been able to bring and the energy. Uh, Kathy. You
4: know, um... I too, like Amanda, I actually lost two very close people during COVID. And um, I'm going to work on seeking clarity in situations where I become stressed or overwhelmed and taking the time to pause and really drill down on what is causing that. And then how I can um, react, uh, not react better, but how I can um Uh, you know, kind of solve those stressful moments and overwhelming moments. Um, So seeking clarity first and then coming up with some um, kind of problem solving around that. So the ultimate goal is a less stressful and less overwhelming
5: year.
0: Sounds like a really good goal. Mm
5: -hmm. Mike. So let, let me preface my comments by the fact that I have a working rotary phone at home. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so that, that's, that's how long I've been here, right?
0: So Wait, I think someone's I, asking what a rotary phone is. <laughs> you just...
5: If you really are bored and you have one, challenge a teenager to make a phone call. It's fascinating, it is brilliant. Um, so we have one of those. So what, what I mean by that as a reference point is that uh, I'm probably in the last 20% of my career as a full-time employee. I wanna get into volunteerism as fast as I can. And so in doing that, I'm also a notorious C-Drive employee. I have so much stuff on my C drive that I forgot to put into the network, which means I did not give the opportunity to pass on to other folks their ability to move forward in a different way, what we've already done. So I think, you know, I don't want to just call it mentoring because I think that undersells what I'm trying to accomplish, but I want to be much more mindful of how a 30-year experience can become someone else's 30-year experience under their, as, as Sika said, under their desires, their passions, their values, but under the guise of service. And um, I want to be able to do that in a way that's meaningful, not just for my stuff employees or uh, other folks in my networks, but I want to do that locally. And I think that we've all had some very tough losses in the last year. And with that, I think it's brought a better focus to me on, on community impact. And I need to be more mindful of that. And so I think my growth is to become a little less nose in the book and a little more uh, feet in the community. And I want to see how that looks as I move into volunteerism
0: love that. Uh, I'll, I'll share one or two and then we'll uh, start to move to some final thoughts from our esteemed colleagues. Uh, I have three that I've really been focusing on. One is from a learning sense uh, is biting off the apple of uh, trying to earn a doctorate, which uh, is intentional, right? I, I always have had the learning bug. But like recognizing that like growth through learning comes with intention. And so I haven't done any sort of formal learning in 15 years and this felt like the right moment, the right time. Talk to me in a year or two on that dissertation we'll see, but at the moment it does. Uh, the second, I'd say from a place of investing in myself is as we're boosted and safer. Uh, it's being is taking the kids on the trips to make them better national and global citizens that I'm afraid, that has been retracted during this time of isolation. Uh, we were never a screen household. And if I'd never see a screen again, I'd be happy. Uh, of course, I'd love seeing all of you on a screen. That's not what I mean, but for the kids, for the kids, right? Uh, but taking them and trying to give them the experience that, I think it's something we all could use. And then uh, the last one I would say is that I miss from the time uh, when we were together more often, I felt like I've always been a, uh, someone who's an intentional mentor, but I was a better sponsor. Connecting people, making relationships, and that's been harder during this time. Uh, and I and I personally miss being able to do that. And so, uh, I share that just from a place that I think we've heard some amazing examples of where our superstars, rock stars, are reflective in terms of where they want to grow, and hopefully, uh, everyone listening in is as well. Uh, despite the fact that this rock star uh, panel was longer than our usual, we've time has flown by, and so. Uh, I would love to just sort of go around and if we can have everyone's thought uh, that as you think about the year ahead and that those that are listening in, uh, whether they are rock stars themselves or those that are aspiring to be someday, uh, what would you say, what would you pass along as a place of wisdom, reflection, or insight in terms of where to focus from a place of success, growth, health, happiness, and potential for the year ahead? What would be your reflection, your piece of advice? Um, I'll take someone's hand being raised or I, or for this one, Sika, go ahead.
8: Yeah, I'm happy to go first quickly. I think that um, in this global pandemic, we have limited some of the outreach that we do to people that we would normally see and hang out with and talk to, but there are some people who we've maintained in our circle and routinely connected with, or not routinely, but when, when things go bad and, and when there is um, something that happens, the people that you automatically think of or when you need assistance, the people you reach out to, nurture those people, keep them close. Um, I think many of us come from positions of great access and great privilege. Use that, harness that. Um, don't be apologetic for it, but but use it. Um, and then, especially when you're looking on betting on yourself, but also betting on others, we have a huge opportunity to um, leverage the privilege that we do have. And um, Finally, I would just say, remember that no matter how hard things get and at work, at home, in life, something that has really been my north star and my driving sort of mantra through all of this is that every day is a blessing and that nothing has been more clear to me than that in the last 20 or so months.
0: I love that. Thank you. Mary.
8: Two
7: quick ones. If you are in charge of leading at your organization professionally, I would encourage you to take what I call the 10% pledge. And that is to change 10% of everything you're doing. 10% of your meetings, 10% of your communications. I think it's less overwhelming than starting from scratch. It's less overwhelming than getting buy-in. We just say, let's just do 10% and let's start there. I think you can make great gains by doing that. And then the other that i would advise and this is both personally or professionally whenever i'm stuck i ask this question what matters most and i think you're probably going to hear from uh, most of the rock stars that uh, we use that as a touch point and going back it's easy to be overwhelmed it's easy to be tired it's easy to be busy but when everything is said and done what matters most when i ask that question i get clear on what i should do next and where I should be going, where I should be volunteering, and where I should be helping, and I think, especially at a time like this, that's important. I love that.
0: Thank you, Kathy.
4: Well, I'm going to pre- I'm going to paraphrase a hero of mine, and that's Elizabeth Taylor when she spoke at Wembley Stadium during the height of the AIDS crisis. Love yourself, love one another, stay safe, and thrive.
0: Love it. Uh, Jeff?
6: It seems like a a theme, if uh, 2021 was the year of resiliency, 2022 is going to be the year of self-care and and empathy, I mean, the work stuff is going to be easy. You're going to have a whole team of people around you that are committed to making your organizations great, um, but who are going to be the people to help you make yourself great? So really step back, use this time before the first of the year and think about what you're going to do for you. Um, You don't have to try to make up for the time that you lost during the pandemic in 2022, because you can't. Um, So be really intentional about where you're going to engage and what you're going to
0: try to accomplish. Perfect. Amanda.
3: I think I'm a very good follow up to Jeff. Find your tribe, right? Find your people. I am very lucky to have a group called Alloy that we meet with every couple weeks, and it's just a bunch of AEs, and we get in a Zoom box like this, and we share our struggles, and we share if it's going well, and we brag about what we did good, and we admit where we screwed up. And we all have each other's back and we all text each other and we have like a text stream that goes and if somebody's having a bad day, they can just text the group and say, I just need some extra love before I walk in this board meeting and they get all the extra love they can need, and then some from the group. So find your people and be that for them so that they can be that for you. Just find that group because that has been one of the most instrumental things for me since I got a part of that a couple of years ago. It's, it's the thing that sometimes that day, it helps me find my silver lining. Sometimes Alloy is my silver lining. So I
2: would say that's probably my biggest. Bonjour, Trap.
0: I love it. Kuma.
2: Yeah, I, I, this is a good, everyone's already said everything amazing up to this point, but I'll just say I'll lean in on one of my favorite quotes by James Baldwin. He says, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. And um, as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion, as it relates to innovation, as it relates to, I mean, just everything that we've talked about today, I think let's just get really uh, comfortable with facing some really hard things. And, um, and that's where we'll see significant change and growth across all of our organizations.
0: And Mike?
5: Yeah, I'll overstate the obvious, which is just be you. Be, be the beautiful self you are. And if that means you have um, body art, if that means you love heavy metal, if that means that you wear ripped jeans and boots to work, be you. Um, some of those things I'm exhibiting today, by the way, just can't see them, but that's what I think is most important. And one of the lessons that I've learned the most from my team and and from my community is the beauty of you is is how this all gets better. And you guys have exhibited that um, in so many levels today. So I appreciate who you are and appreciate what you bring. I think um, this team exhibited that amazingly well today.
0: That's a a perfect segue to, uh, to bring our last one of the year to a close as a note of appreciation. Uh, appreciation for all of you uh, joining us on this panel, uh, coming back for a second helping, uh, and hoping that each of you that participated uh, enjoyed the conversation learned from one another. Uh, I would also be remiss, uh, Amy, will you turn on your video for a moment, if if I'm allowed to ask? Uh, But clearly, throughout the year, the amazing uh, everything that happens, uh, Amy Hager cannot do it without her. And so we are just eternally grateful Amy. framing. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. Uh, and grateful for this community. Uh, this started, Association Rockstars, started during pandemic, during a time when we were thinking about how do we still learn from one another and seeking not to learn about the organizations, but about the people. Because from one another, we can learn about our journeys. We can learn about our vision. We can learn about our potential. Uh, and hopefully how to be better, how to grow to be better. And each conversation uh, ups the game and we're looking forward to more conversations next year. And so for everyone who tuned in today and everyone who's tuned in throughout this journey, uh, we're grateful for you and hoping that 2021, healthy, healthy, healthy and happy end to the year. Uh, We'll look forward to you tuning back in in 2022. Uh, Our first rock stars conversation in 2022 will be with Michelle Mason. new CEO of ASAE. And so we'll have a chance to sit down with her Uh, and then many, many more uh, conversations to come. And then before we sign off, I'll just share a little inside baseball. Uh, The speakers had a little agreement beforehand that if we had to say, anyone uh, had to say, can you please take yourself off of mute? That we were doing pledges to uh, make a donation. Uh, But since nobody said it, Nobody said it. Uh, we're going to be uh, making an extra large donation, including from uh, Vistakova, uh, to have a good way to end the year, to be thankful for all of you that participated uh, and for the Rockstars community. So we we'll look forward to that as well. Have a great end of 2021. We'll see you next year. Until then, association rock on.